Hello, you are currently listening to the Tech.eu podcast, more specifically to episode number 181. I am your host, Robin Wouters. I am the founder of Tech.eu and filling in for the time being for Mr. Andre Degler, although he's now really, really getting close to returning to our podcast. Uh, meanwhile, we hope that you're keeping safe and staying sane in these crazy times and that you're managing to enjoy the summer. In any case, please do continue to take care of yourselves and those around you. Today, we are going to give you another rundown of some of the biggest news in the EU tech industry in the past week. Uh, despite the fact that we're already quite in the middle of summer vacation time here in Europe, uh, even beyond that, there's quite a lot of news to cover in the past few days. After the overview, you can enjoy my interview with Matt Breers. He is the CFO of UK-based fintech scale-up TransferWise, the company that recently reached a $5 billion valuation after a secondary share sale. So we're going to talk about some of that. So do listen to the interview. So what are some of the most notable things that happened in the past few days in European tech? Well, first of all, uh, Zynga likes to go shopping over in Turkey after recently buying mobile game maker Peak for a whopping $1.8 billion. The company behind the words with Friends game has gone ahead and acquired an 80% share in hyper-casual mobile studio Rolic for $168 million. At the time of the announcement, Rolex Games see more than 5 million daily active users and over 65 million monthly active users. The deal for the Istanbul-based studio is expected to close on October 1, giving Zynga control over a portfolio including Gonauts 3D, Flipper Dunk, Repair Master 3D, Water Shooty, and Wheel Smash. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't know any of those games, but I also suspect that I may not be the primary target audience here. In addition, Zynga will acquire the remaining 20% of Rolic over the next three years at valuations based on certain profitability goals. It's a much smaller deal than the peak acquisition, of course, but an interesting one nonetheless, and it makes me wonder if there would be many more uh, happening in Turkey in the near future, whether it's acquisitions by Zynga or other companies that are now surely paying more attention to the market over there. Zynga is not the only big American tech company shopping in Europe. However, uh, Uber said on Thursday that it was buying the British tech company AutoCab, which sells booking and dispatch software to private hire firms in a move that will allow the taxi app to reach customers where it does not currently operate. The Silicon Valley-based firm said the acquisition will allow it to link people who open their Uber app in locations where it does not run with other providers, uh, starting in Britain, but with other countries also in mind. The companies did, however, and unfortunately not put a value on the deal or detail how the arrangement would be monetized for Uber. Then some news from Sweden, admittedly not really from the realm of internet startups, but definitely interesting from a European tech perspective. Swedish lithium-ion battery maker Northvolt said last week that it has secured $1.6 billion in debt financing as part of its plan to have 25% of the market share of European mobile battery production. Last year, automakers Volkswagen and BMW agreed to fund Northvolt's plan to build Europe's largest lithium-ion battery plant. Northvolt said the loan was financed by a group of banks, pension funds and other public institutions, adding that the capital would be spent on expanding its factories and on research and development. I really like the accompanying quote from Northvolt CEO and former Tesla executive Peter Carlson, who said, quote, The momentum for electrification is stronger than ever. Our customers need large volumes of high-quality batteries with a low CO2 footprint, and Europe must build a fully regionalized value chain to support them, unquote. The momentum for electrification. What's not to laugh about that particular soundbite? Now, Google's bid to take on Apple and Samsung in the wearable technology market by buying Fitbit has lost some momentum in the meantime. It hit a particular hurdle last week as EU antitrust regulators launched an investigation into the $2.1 billion deal. Uh, 
The move by the European Commission came despite Google's pledge last month not to use the fitness tracker's data for advertising purposes in a bid to address competition concerns. The EU antitrust enforcer said the data pledge was insufficient to allay its worries. It said data collected via wrist-worn wearable devices appeared to be an important advantage in online advertising, and the deal would give Google an edge in personalizing search engine ads and making it difficult for rivals to compete. Ultimately, this would result in higher prices for advertisers and publishers alike. The investigation will also focus on digital healthcare and whether Google would make it difficult for rival wearables to function with its Android smartphone operating system. The European Commission will decide by 9 December whether to clear or block the deal, so that's a date we've definitely marked in our calendars over here. And now let's move on to our interview with Matt Breers, the former head of sales at Google over in the UK and now CFO of fast-growing fintech company TransferWise. Hey, this is Robin Walters for Tech.eu, and I'm joined here remotely, of course, uh, by Matt Breers. He is the CFO of TransferWise. Matt, before you talk about TransferWise, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, nice to meet you. So I've been at TransferWise for five years now, um, lucky enough to join this little mission back in 2015. Uh, before that, I, I spent a time, bunch of time in consulting, strategy consulting, and then a, also a bunch of time in financial services with, uh, with a couple of companies. Um, and then, and then finally, before joining this, I was I spent spent some time at Google, which was great fun. But um, outside this, I'm a, a dad of two, kind of having having all the uh, the fun of life uh, through coronavirus, etc. But uh, yeah, very happy to talk to you today. Great. Well, uh, thanks for joining our podcast. Uh, maybe give us an idea because we all know TransferWise as one of the you know big tech companies or, or tech startups coming out of Europe, uh, especially in fintech. But when you joined the company, which was about five years ago, you said, uh, what was the size and the, what was the company doing back then? So TransferWise was already, uh, already doing really well. I mean, it was already successful and it was already one of the leading lights, I think, as it would be called in, in European tech. Um, we had around 300, 350 people, if I recall. We were doing around, uh, I remember like 2 million pounds of revenue a month or something like this. And, uh, which uh, which is pretty small relative to where we are today. We're I think we're many times this today. Um, but but actually, so on one hand it was very different. But actually, the it's quite strange to say this for a business. But the mission and strategy has was exactly the same. If if I'm honest, so you know we were hell bent on solving this uh, this problem of cross border money transfer, and uh, the business was purely focused on how do we make this. Uh, faster, cheaper, and way more convenient than than offered by the banks, and and, and it was quite um, actually for me to join the company, it was quite startling how uh, how how maniacally focused the business was on this, and um, so so really, like if you dial forward five years, all, all we've really done is just continue to execute. I mean, clearly the elements of the strategy have changed, and and things we've learned, and and but there's been no real pivot. We've just continued to execute on solving this problem. Um, and obviously made made some pretty pretty good progress in those five years. But I think even five years ago, we knew this was a, a multi-decade problem. So we're just a, kind of another chapter or a few in. You know, if you dial forward five years, where are we? Uh, you know, we're we're now. Um, you know, we're, we've got you know 350 people then, and you know 2,200 people working at Transferwise now. You know, serving you know, eight million customers. I, I suspect back then we were we were way less than a million customers. And now we're processing some kind of four billion pounds of, of volume every month. You know, so it's um, it's quite a different scale of business, uh, fundamentally different. But it was it was nothing different to what we were aiming for back then. 
Yeah, scaled up quite nicely. I, I would argue probably because you kept the same, you know, sort of vision, mission, and strategy uh, intact. Exactly, exactly. There was a huge, huge amount of, uh, I would say, every every month or quarter, there's an opportunity to get distracted, uh, and it's yeah. a, a cre credit credit to the team here that have just managed to managed to just keep that focus. Yeah. So I was curious when you joined the CFO, was there actually already CFO? Or were these for, were you the first one coming in? No. Um, Uh, I was uh, I was not the first finance person, that's for sure. Actually, I got hired by um, by the finance team. Uh, there was a team of four or five people there, and uh, I think most of which are still here today, actually, uh, in the in the team. But now the finance team, I think, has hit around uh, 50, 55 people. So we've, we've scaled up the finance organization quite a lot. But the question is rather is what was in place really before when I joined. I mean, we had. We still had a pretty strong focus on, uh, and we always have had a good focus on, on our economics and understanding our finances. But yeah, the finance team was really just getting started when I joined. Great. Well, uh, TransferWise in the news quite regularly, uh, but very recently, uh, quite quite a big news item, I would I would argue, uh, was um, during a secondary share sale that valued the company at, uh, I think it was $5 billion. Make sure I don't get that wrong uh, with the multi-currencies. Uh, uh, that, that's obviously quite quite a massive achievement. Uh, do you want to walk us through uh, the transaction, the specifics of it? Yeah, I mean, the, the, um, the big, the, I mean, obviously the, the achievement is... Um, Uh, the achievement is building the business, and this this actually this transaction really is just a what's the word is it is it a stamp of approval or an indicator of the value in the business? So what did we do? We 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 essentially, as as you may be aware, Transwise now and and actually for the last three or four years now has been generating cash, not consuming cash. So unlike a lot of uh, unlike a lot of tech businesses, we're actually profitable and cash generating. So that means that we don't need to raise any capital. Uh, or primary capital, as it's called, we don't need to raise any capital for, for the company to operate and to fund any any losses. Uh, all all of our investments are funded by our customers. But we do have a lot of wisers, like employees who've had you know been at, been at Transferwise for a long time. Some of them since the very beginning, and um, and obviously we've got investors that have been invested in Transferwise for much of that journey. And we also have a lot of a lot of investors who um, who aren't invested but want either. Want want to kind of get onto our uh, onto our onto our share register, and then we've also got some investors that invested in the last round uh, who would like to get a bigger stake. And this is a really nice problem to have in that we, you know, I'm kind of getting getting inbounds if you like as to like can we invest in Transferwise? And this should be no real surprise as we've talked about. You know, we're a, we're we're uh, you know a pretty big business now. We're still growing really fast, and we're profitable. And it, you know, if you if you put those normally those those kind of large growing and profitable, if you put those those criteria and on a list, long list of great companies, you'll, you'll end up with, you know, most only tick two of those boxes. So Transwise is a pretty attractive business. And this, uh, and this obviously goes to value, but it also means, you know, we're getting high, high quality investors wanting to invest in Transwise. It means we can pick and choose who we want. So this transaction really came about as to, like, it just gives us in this connection of, you know, a lot of people wanting to invest in Transwise and, you know, off us wanting to build our share, Our kind of investor base for the long term. You know, we've had investors on board for the last five, ten years, and we we now need. You know, my part of my role and my objective is to make sure that we've got a strong, supportive investor base for the next ten years. This gave us a great opportunity to let some great investors in, uh, let some uh, investors and employees uh, sell some shares, and this ended up with this transaction of you know, I think it was three hundred nineteen million dollars uh, worth of shares traded, traded. You know, so what's that roughly six percent of the company? 
And was it mostly employees or was it also some of the early investors? Uh, uh, no, 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 no. It, was a, it, was a, it was a real mix. I mean, employees, employees got to sell, but it was, uh, you know, we, we haven't, uh, it's not perfect, so mix, but, but it, was a, it was a good mix of investors, early investors and employees. And, and, and you can tell from the numbers, you know, the, 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 the sell down percent was obviously very, very small, right? So it was only 6% of the company that was trading. Uh, so um, it was, uh, you know, most the vast majority of people were either keeping their whole stake or, or actually, uh, you know, keeping the, the vast majority. So it was a, it was just a chance to like uh, get, offer some liquidity, not total liquidity, to to folks. Um, it really, it's really good for employees. I mean, I'm really, I'm always, uh, I've done this, we've done this three times now, and um, and it's really part of our value proposition to our employees. I mean, everyone, everyone gets equity in the company. Uh, everyone from obviously the founder has 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 a chunk. But also the, or anyone who um, works in our customer service operations, operations team, payment operations team, verification team, all of these people have a, have a stake in the company, and and it gives them the chance to get some liquidity, and it, you know, and that and that's really rewarding because it just reminds them that what they've done is is worthwhile, valuable, and then for people that want to join the company, you know, Transferwise is offering offering equity, and it's you know this has real value. You know, we've got a track record of uh, of giving this uh, giving this opportunity to people over time. It's not something that's a pipe dream down the line. Yeah, quite amazing and interesting. I didn't know employees these days still get equity, uh, which is sort of rare for a company the size and the and the age of uh, Transferwise already. Uh, it's, do you say they don't get? Did, you did. You didn't know that well, employees they, did get equity. New employees do get equity still, which is quite yeah, rare. Yeah. Usually, yeah, it stops should. after a few years. <laughs> no, you should. You should join. Uh, we'll. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'll think about it. Yeah. Um, did, did I hear you mention that you also, uh, part of your responsibility is also sort of to, to manage the investor relationships and build up the investor base over the years? Because I would imagine that's sort of uh, separate from what a, what a usual CFO uh, role is. Oh, well, I think uh, CFO's role is, uh, is pretty, pretty, pretty broad. I mean, um, I think, uh, so, so a core part of my role is to, is to cultivate and manage uh, strong investor relationships such that the company is funded appropriately so if you think about um you know the, the role of a cfo is is obviously there's a there's core elements relating to like accounting reporting financial operations there's making sure the company's sustainable which a lot of people call fpna but really making smart and sustainable uh, investment decisions in the business and commercial decisions but then also making sure any company is is funded appropriately and funding can be uh, obviously a strong equity base uh, of investors or uh, there's also debt uh, and these are all these are all based on you know good solid financial management performance, but also strong relationships. So my role is to to uh, to manage this. Uh, you know we ex- we were, we've 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 used advisors in the past on this, and uh, and they played definitely played a strong role for us. Um, but this time we were lucky enough, and we we executed this ourselves, and uh, and we uh, you know so a couple of us um, you know can, can execute this without a massive upheaval to the business, which is pretty important because these fundraisings are like pretty stressful. And, um, you know, they take up a heck of a lot of time for myself and others, but they can also like slow the business down. And we managed to do it without really anyone now kind of having to focus on this, uh, including, including the founders or the management team, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Great. Well, thanks for sharing some insights on that as well. Um, I know one of the, the founders, Christo, was quoted, um, I forgot the publication of the reporter, but he was, of course, asked about IPO, which I think is a yeah. question that's sort of been popping up for the last uh, years. So it's not nothing new. Uh, yeah. But it is, of course, an option, of course, to also list shares on, on the public markets to, to get some liquidity. Um, now, I know his answer was, you know, we don't consider an IPO, which is the sort of thing that he's been saying for a while. 
Yeah. Uh, but it's also the sort of thing that founders tend to say like a month before they file to go public. So uh, <laughs> let's, uh, get, let's get it out of the way. Like, What are the chances of TransferWising doing either a full or a partial uh, initial public offering of its shares uh, anytime in the near future? I would say if your near future is in the next month or few, I'd say zero. Um, hmm. so, like, uh, yeah, let's call we, it two years. Uh, so we've we've said it. We've said uh, we said we'll always uh, think about going public at some point in our future, and it's uh, it's it's an option that probably suits Transferwise. And uh, you know, we we see ourselves being an independent independent business in the future. The question is, why would you do it, and then what does that inform you around when you do it? So. You know, as uh, as Christo would say, you know, none of our customers are writing to us saying, "Can you please go public?" Uh, they're they're rather saying, "Can you build this or build that?" And uh, so we're focused rather on on this for now. Like, um, we don't need the money, uh, as in we don't need to raise the capital. And IPOs are an amazing way to go and raise capital uh, in the market um, if you need to raise a significant amount of capital from a primary perspective. We don't we don't need to raise the money. Historically, we've accessed this, uh, and this is another proof point. We've accessed enough capital for liquidity in the secondary markets. Um, because doing an IPO is, uh, you know, it's it's very straight. It's very easy to understand how you do one, but actually, it's not it's not an insignificant undertaking. So my my view is that you know, whilst we don't have a strong reason to do it, like there's no point rushing this whilst we've got so much else to do. Uh, so you know, um, so it's definitely definitely not something that we've got in our immediate near future. And uh, but is it is it going to happen in the medium to long term? Like I would say it's uh, yeah, pretty still still as likely as we've said before. Great. Very clear. Thank you so much. Um, so let's go back to the, the size of the business. Um, you, you said yeah. eight, mil, 8 million customers at this point. Um, That's right. Mostly still for the online um, payment transfer. So it's still moving money around for the most part. Um, how big can this business really get? Like, Give me a sort of a, a view on, on how big this can be. Well, so, um, so yes, we have 8 million customers. And these are, these are people that are, are using us for sending money from... from um, a mix of things. They're, they either use us to send money from, from their bank account to somebody else's or another bank account of theirs in another jurisdiction, or they might actually use us um, to hold money. So we've launched Borderless two to three years ago, and increasingly people are using TransferWise for essentially a, an international um, multi-currency account solution. So they, they're, they're essentially executing banking on and parts, parts of their banking on TransferWise. And that's for people and for small businesses. So, so we launched really TransferWise looking after people. Um, we then at the same time helped small businesses use us. And then more recently, you, you, you might have seen that we're actually, instead of um, people coming to use TransferWise through our app, whether they're people or small businesses, we're taking TransferWise's infrastructure that we've built and taking that to, to platforms and businesses where this problem is, is, um, is prevalent as well across border. So you can see that Monzo and N26, for example, are are, have integrated TransferWise in Europe, and then many other banks. I think we've got uh, 12 or 13 banks live now on TransferWise. And then also we've we've um, we've talked about Zero um, and QuickBooks, you know, like in these accounting platforms, where increasingly it will be easy for to integrate TransferWise into that, so that you can you can actually use TransferWise where where your money is, rather than having to kind of add TransferWise as an additional app, if that makes sense. So but to talk about si size and scale of those, you know, like we're moving around four billion pounds a, a month, right? So it break those market opportunities into a couple of things. You know, various resources you'll you'll say will point to different numbers, but essentially people around the world. So that's people that have to send money home to families, send money to manage their finances cross border. They move a trillion dollars around the world at least every year. Maybe it's trillion pounds. It's, it's an awful lot of money. You know, so we're we're now actually doing pretty well in that market. You know, we're yeah, are we are we three, four, five percent of that market? So like, think about one in twenty or one in. Th one in 20 pounds or dollars that are moving around the world are now moving on transferwise. 
but it's only one in 20. So like that can easily be two and three and four and maybe 10 at some point in the future. So just in that personal space, there's a huge opportunity for transfers. And actually, we've, we're doing pretty well there. Like we're way bigger than most of the most of the companies around the world there. And soon, I think we'll, we'll probably um, be the largest cross-border money, money moving machine um, for people in the world. The next thing is this, these SMBs. And SMBs actually, depending on the source you go, they, they, they don't move a, a trillion. They probably move between five and 10 trillion a year, right? Actually, that opportunity is, is pretty amazing. And, and you can see how we're signing up around uh, kind of a lot of, a lot of uh, customers, 10,000 new businesses every month are, are joining Transwise. And that's growing at a pretty rapid rate. So actually, like that's a really exciting second opportunity, which we're going for. But then, then if you look at, you know, the broader opportunity, you know, there's, there's um, basically hundreds of you know, ten, or t- tens and hundreds of trillions of, of money that's moving around the world every year, whether it's large banks, institutions, as slowly like our, as we build our infrastructure and we build the, the underlying te- tech underneath TransferWise, like that will become more relevant to these larger flows over time. So, you know, like definitely for the next few years, it's around people, it's around small businesses. But if you look over the next 10 or maybe 20 years, like TransferWise as a platform and infrastructure is pretty exciting. Yeah. Well, I was just gonna gonna mention TransferWise, uh, the platform rather as a, as a product business, yeah. because you also just obtained a, a UK license for investments, which basically means that if people hold uh, money through TransferWise, they can theoretically also use it to to make investments. So, is that a, a sort of a move you made to safeguard against the future that you might offer this at some point, or is it more near term? Uh, so we've said that we will. Um, we said we said that we'll try and uh, we've, we've got the license, which is exciting, and we've got a. We've got uh, people working on this, and we'll try and launch something. From, probably, it's good. we're going to take our time and get this right. It's, this is uh, this is not easy, but uh, definitely in the coming months and years, I'd expect this to to be a feature on our product. Basically, you know, since we launched Borderless, we've had amazing traction for our for our multi currency account. We've got over two billion pounds now held in our accounts today, and we're not a bank, and we we don't intend to to become one. We've got essentially a uh, what that means is I can see every day these accounts that have got two billion pounds in them. And we're keeping it safe and we're keeping it available for our customers. Now, for sure, like, it, would it would it be helpful to be able to offer our customers the opportunity to 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 get a return on that through utilizing an investment license? So we think that would make our proposition just more interesting and more useful. Yeah, you know, think about Transwise. We're just trying to make our our product useful, convenient, um, etc. For, for 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 this account. So uh, yeah, so it's going to be going to be exciting for definitely for for folks in the UK where we we've, we've got this first license it should be should be a, a definite added bonus. Great. Um anything else in the in the works in the sort of the the product roadmap that that people tend to overlook? I don't I don't really think so. It kind of goes back to my uh my comment up front, you know, we our our main challenge is don't get distracted, you know, we're we're still still a tiny fraction of the uh, cross border flows and we're just really focusing on how do we what, how do we build products that uh, that just uh, solve that solve that main problem? Um, so yeah, we spoke about investments, but really the really the the work that we spend our time on is building out our our borderless multi currency proposition for people and small businesses. You'll have seen uh, multi user access uh, and uh, go out for small businesses, and this proposition getting going from strength to strength. So um, this really remains our focus. Great. Well, full disclosure, we at TechEU uh, use TransferWise uh, for that uh, exact same reason. <laughs> uh, so I uh, good. Good. think we're sort of out of time. We're at like 20 minutes, which I think is sort of the, the attention span that most of our listeners uh, tend to have for these podcast interviews. It's super, super insightful. Thank you so much for making the time. Unless, of course, there's anything else you wanted to share that you didn't mention yet. 
no, no. Uh, thanks for having us on. Uh, it's always uh, it's good good to get good to get quizzed and uh, and poked, and mm-hmm. we, we love being transparent as we can, in, uh, with, especially with customers. So thanks for, thanks for using us. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Uh, yeah, I've been following on the journey for uh, TransferWise for quite some time already uh, as a journalist, but also as a user. So it's been quite, quite amazing to watch. So congratulations and uh, looking forward to seeing uh, the rest of the journey. Brilliant. Thanks for your support. See you then. Bye-bye. Cheers. And this is it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. We really hope you enjoyed it. Please help us spread the word. Tell a friend or colleague or family member about the show and follow our updates on Twitter at tech underscore EU. Audio engineering for this podcast is done by Sound Pulse, that is sound-pulse.com. Please feel free to email us with any questions, suggestions, and opinions at podcast.tech.eu. I am going to talk to you next Monday, still filling in for Andrew Daigler. Until then, please enjoy your week and take care. Bye-bye.